does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. This is Trackside with Kirk Cavan and Kevin Lee on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I don't really know if my views of this place have changed. I, I just, I really love this facility. I think every time I come in, I realize more and more this is the most beautiful racing facility that we get the you know, honor to go to. And I think you know, Mr. Pinsky's done a great job with it since he's taken over. So, yeah, I mean, obviously getting to turn laps around here in an in IndyCar and getting to like, feel what that feels like it, it makes it even more special and you know i've gotten the chance to race here on the dirt track i've ran the road course the oval we get to thankfully come back on the oval in the cup car so um this place is just awesome you know golf course is amazing too love love playing golf here so um it doesn't it doesn't get much better than than this place yeah it was really cool and i don't know i i wanted to get up to speed you know, I didn't want to take too long to get up to the 205 mark because I, you know, I didn't want to get made fun of like, oh, you know, why did it take you so long? So I did put pressure on myself to like, man, get your confidence built up here pretty quickly. And, um, you know, thankfully after like three or four laps, you know, when I was able to judge off the, the tack, I was like, okay, we're, we're within that because the ROP is nice because I was not ready to go flat for, for a while, but uh, building up to that, that speed and pace and confidence was uh, was nice to do in, in ROP, but um, yeah, just getting to feel what an IndyCar feels like, you know, be low to the ground, um, feel the acceleration through the gears was pretty crazy. Um, all of that was uh, was eye-opening and, and an experience that, you know, I, I know for sure I'll never forget. And now I look forward to, you know, kind of getting around cars and, and feeling how, you know, the dirty air affects things. Now it feels a bit more like the offseason. And as soon as I say that, not quite yet, because we've got more activity at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway coming up this weekend. Testing at IMS for all four levels of the ladder system from Friday through Sunday. But Indy 500 rookie orientation is complete from last week. You just heard the very notable rookie, Kyle Larson, who uh, won... I think multiple times last week. He he won before he came to Indianapolis, passed ROP, and then won a cup race and is in charge of the playoffs for the moment in NASCAR. Uh, nine IndyCar drivers took part in the season-ending IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race. Petit Lamont, two of them were on the winning team. Robert Wickens collected another very notable achievement as he continues to inspire in his comeback, a championship, and so much more to talk about tonight. Hello, welcome, thanks for joining us. It's Trackside, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan in Indianapolis. A full two-hour program. I know I said one hour last week, but... Schedules are subject to change um, next week, I believe, Tuesday night from 7 until 9 is the current schedule. Check your local listings. We'll try to, to keep everybody abreast of those things because we're into Pacer season. So we'll bounce around a little bit. So an easy way is to look at the Pacer schedule. If they are playing that night, we would not be on. And then there are occasionally some other things like coaches shows and so forth. But set for 7 to 9 again 
next week. I'm Kevin Lee. Kurt Cavan is here. Uh, Eddie Garrison is back in the studio in downtown Indianapolis tonight. Hello, Kurt. How are you? Well, it's uh, good to be here. It it does feel like uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Every time there's a a new week upon us, there is a new opportunity to see race cars. And so it does seem like that while the IndyCar side of the of the Penske Entertainment Farm has been largely, you know, they they went into a different mode after Laguna Seca. What was that? Like September 10th that the IMS side got busy and they came together last week with the rookie orientation program and they again come together with with the uh the road to indy i think that's still the the phrase that most people associate with with what's going to happen uh in the ladder system and indy lights indy next by firestone will be on track i'll pay the 50 cent fee that that i'm charged with every time you slip and call it by the old moniker but uh indy next will be on track on friday and so the rest of uh, Dan Anderson's contingent will be on track Saturday and Sunday. So busy time still at the Speedway. I'm glad the weather's holding. It's not the warmest that it's ever been in the fall, but it's uh, warm enough to do some road course testing, and and we'll get that underway on Friday. And then I see today Trackside Online wrote that Scott Dixon and Will Power will be taking part in a Firestone test at the Milwaukee Mile next Wednesday. And I don't even know what the hybrid schedule is because there's something going on all the time, all over the place. Saw a few drivers at, at Road Atlanta and said, yep, it's going to be busy. We're doing a lot of that. And by the way, it's pretty physical. So let's go ahead and listen to the Formula One drivers talk about how hard that, and I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure it was hot in Bahrain. Um, but yeah, driving an Indy car with an aero screen without power steering is significantly harder. It is, and it's going to get harder next year because this car is heavier. So you'll continue to see some things on social media about what's going on from that front. Uh, so I I talked to a few people this week in a road Atlanta. We'll sprinkle some of those things in, but I was not able to go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway last week. We had activity Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So I'm guessing you were there. Let's start with Kyle Larson and what we learned, what... He said, we heard a little bit of it, and what you observe from his first time, I believe, ever in any kind of an IndyCar, other than a seat fit, right? Yeah, I think it was other than a seat fit. I mean, this is going to be a conversation that probably uh, could go on and on. A lot of bench racing goes on in terms of talking about you know things he uh, learned and felt and experienced for the first time, the full Hendrick. Uh, motorsports contingent was on hand. Jeff Gordon was there, the vice chair, along with his boss, Rick Hendrick. So it was, uh, you know, it was big time representation on the Hendrick part. Of course, their HendrickCars.com is sponsoring this number 17 Chevrolet entry at Errol McLaren. So it was just kind of fun to watch watch all the dynamics. Uh, one of the things I wrote about on IndyCar.com was uh, just all the activity that that you can imagine that you saw, you know, when I don't know it was Nigel Mansell like from from '93, but it was it was very much like Fernando Alonso's visit uh, in 2017, where virtually everyone who had an ability to be around the race car while Kyle got in and all the photos were taken as Kyle, you know, first put on the helmet as he first crawled into the race car as he first started the engine as they first rolled him away as they, you know, all those things were captured 
Uh, I had a chance to talk to Jeff Gordon about this, and he said one of the things I was really pointed toward was making sure we had all the content uh, created that, you know, for this, you know, very memorable and sort certainly in Kyle's life, you know, a, a very, you know, important stage in his uh, racing career. So, you know, all the content was created and all the first were, you know, marked and and it was really kind of fun to watch, you know, that that circus and all the lot of a lot of papaya around that end of the racetrack as you've got all these crew people and all the all the team officials and the Hendrick people and and, you know, just all the people that, you know, wanted to be part of the first Kyle experience. And then there's Tony Kanaan, who's very much, you know, his uh, very much glued to Kyle's side. And I asked I asked uh, Tony about this afterwards, and and thought it was true, and turned out it was true. One of the first things Tony said was, "I just wanted everybody to kind of stop talking and just let Kyle experience it." He they're trying to tell him, you know, here's what you're going to do first time by, and here's what you're going to do with the weight jacker, and here's what you're going to do with the roll bar, and and by the way, we're going to do this, and 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 Tony just said. Let him just experience it. Let him just, he doesn't have to run, you know, 228 and change first time by. He can just relax and enjoy the experience. And again, a lot of things to get into, but, uh, you know, I think it was, it was almost a, a ride and drive for the first experience. I thought he did really well with the rookie program. He got through it pretty expediently, but mostly it was just for Kyle to experience IMS in an IndyCar. And by the way, when people look at the speeds and say, well, he's got to find another at least 10, 12, 15 miles per hour, that car is set up to really not go much faster than that. It's got tons of downforce on it to make it, quote, easier to drive. And actually, the power is turned down. Even if you did trim it, I don't know how fast it would go, but it wouldn't go 230 plus. They can manipulate the power a little bit and it's my understanding it's set up to just not just the setup of the car but it does not have as much power as they normally do well so let's go back don't worry to, about that yet no 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 and your point's well taken and let's the the greatest example of all these goes back to 2000 actually october of 2000 when elio castroneves came here for the first time and he was in a treadway car at that point because team penske didn't have equipment and and so he takes his kind of a rookie test or orientation or or something to the you know whatever you want to call it in October of that year before he came here and raced and then won in 2001 but they at that time used the fax machine to send setups and the setup information for the car was faxed to to the team and this is what we'd run want to run and one of the the last digit wasn't didn't come across if you remember how the fax machines ran and so they were missing a digit on the on the setup information and elio goes out there and he pounded around about 20 laps and couldn't get over about 200 miles an hour and was really kind of spooked he talked i was talking to him about it the other day and he brought it back up that's why it's top of mind and and he was just saying "I, i i was I was intimidated. I, everybody else is out there running, you know, 215, 218, 220, and I can't barely get over 200 miles an hour. And we come in and Cendric kind of figured it out that the fax machine didn't deliver all the digits. And so when they went back and got the, they did it over the phone and got the real information. And then he went right out there and felt comfortable. So to your point, 
you know, the car setup and how, how things are, you know, it isn't just the driver pushing his foot to the floor. He can't just control that himself. And so Larson very much was at the mercy of whatever the team said we're going to do. And the team would, in this case, say, we're going to take it easy. You've never done this before. Your breaking points are different. Your entry points, I say breaking points, but more entry points in the corner. You know, they're just everything's different from a stock car. So let's just ease into it. You got all kinds of time in the spring. Let's just do it right. Take it slow. And they and they really did that with all the rookies on this particular weekend, as they have in other years. Kind of sounds like when McLaren went metric versus yeah yeah. Uh, what would you call it? What, what what do we call our American numerology? What's the proper phrasing for that? All right, you've caught me on metric non metric. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, did did he go flat? Because what I believe I also heard is that's part of the process, too. They want the driver to gain the confidence of being able to go flat. And when you take some power away and really pile on the downforce, you can go flat. So if if not for the whole time, I'm sure he's at least flat at times. I heard him say that he did, but I don't know if the throttle trace would 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 confirm that. You know, it's one thing to go flat at one end of the racetrack, but not at the other or yeah. most of the way through the corner, but not all the way. So I really would defer there to to an engineer uh, to to let me know what <laughs> what the throttle trace showed. He said he he got there. But again, did he get there for the full lap? I can't speak to that. Uh, I believe I read also that we learned that Tony Kanaan is the relief driver, the emergency driver. Did you hear this? Well, the question was asked, is he the relief driver? And Tony said, look, I- I'm done. You know, he went through kind of what that you needs would to be expect. A plan. They, they need no, to I have think that. They'll, I think they'll have a plan and I think he'll be it. If for no other reason is he fits the seat. And there was a kind of a nice exchange between Jeff Gordon and and Tony Kanan. And and when Kanan said, I, you know, we we actually share can share a seat. And Jeff said, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say they can they're small enough to sit in the same seat that Kyle can sit in. You know, sometimes maybe a 15 year old can sit in in Kyle's seat. Your 15-year-old, when he was 15, certainly could not have. But, you know, Tony's a little guy. We don't we, – we think about his muscles and his big kind of conditioning. and But he's – one, he he's – over the last five years, he's gone to a different conditioning program. He's not as bulky as he used to be. And second of all, marathons. Yeah. he's never yeah. been very big. You know, he's he's a very diminutive guy. And even Castroneves makes – Tony looks small sometimes. I mean, Castroneves not big either. In fact, he's more of a kind of a, a small tennis player in size and stature, but neither one of them are very big. But Tony can fit in Kyle's seat. So it stands to reason that if there is, you know, a lengthy rain delay and and it just doesn't work out for Kyle on race day or for whatever day they're working, Kanan could do it. I don't think, you know, they certainly don't want to approach that subject but he would be the natural fit for sure i think you have to have this plan because i don't know what you'd say the percentage is but it's more than a one percent chance all it takes which we have a decent amount of time is a rain delay uh if the start of the race is delayed my guess is larson is staying the scenario where he leaves is if they run for a while and he's 21st 
And certainly if he's two laps lap down, down. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if they have a rain delay and he's running in the top five, I think he's going to just try to get to NASCAR land before 10 p.m. Because he can still score points. All he has to do is to get to that race and jump in at the last pit stop, and he can score points for that race. That's You're going to lose some time, obviously, with a driver change in a NASCAR race. You know, people have said, well, what if he wins? Well, they won't make him do the normal uh, media obligations. They will very much truncate that. But I think there's still probably already 30 to 45 minutes. He's going to miss the driver's meeting in Charlotte. So he's going to, I assume at least. So he's probably going to be starting in the back. So that'll even add to the drama even more. And I think they'll they'll have a relief driver for him there. And if he wins the race and it's a little bit delayed and somebody else has to start the race, they'll be fine with that. They'll be fine with that. Well, I've not thought remember through. in NASCAR land, he just needs to win a race. Exactly. At some point in the first 26 races. And yes, you want to score as many points as you can to improve your playoff positioning. But if you just win a race and if he has that done before we get to Memorial Day weekend, that gives you a lot more wiggle room to say, you know what? We just need to make sure he shows up at some point and stays eligible. So I think uh, there's a pretty good chance. I like his chances to win a race in the first 26. I also like his chances of winning before Memorial Day weekend. Uh, so and then thirdly, uh, he's going to he's going to stay with. I think he'll stay with the Indy 500 car as long as it makes sense to. And, you know, if they have to go to a relief driver, I remember what? Oh, five. Was that the year? No, it may have been later than Maybe that. Maybe oh, four when Robbie Gordon had to leave. Yep. And Jacques Lazier. Yeah. Jacques Lazier got in and drove it. I thought it was oh, five. Might have been oh, four. But you, you Jacques could got be right. You could be right. Jacques got in the car and finished it out uh, for Robbie. It can be done. Uh, obviously, in that situation, Robbie wasn't going to win the race. So, you know, but Tony is the natural fit. And he's already internal. He doesn't need the laps. He would have IndyCar's blessing to get in the car. He's obviously got relevant, uh, you know, relevant uh, experience and so forth. So he's he's he checks all the boxes, uh, and he fits in the seat, which is it's a bigger it's a bigger check mark than you might think otherwise. You know, it, it would be my assumption if I was just on the outside that anybody could jump in that car within, you know, you wouldn't necessarily put a Graham Rahal or a Justin Wilson sized individual in that car, but anybody close you would think would, would be okay. But it's, it's really more complicated than that because you have such limited room to start with. Plus you have all this padding that they've created for Kyle, you know, to protect him and just vibrations and, and, you know, wear and tear on the sides of his, his legs and so forth. You've got to be pretty close on, on dimensions or it doesn't work. Uh, oh, four. We just did a little Google search on, okay. on that. I think it would not be a bad idea to put Tony Kanaan in the car, either in the April test or in a practice session, if for nothing else, to help confirm for Kyle Larson what the car is. You know, I, I would try to do that at some point. And since it is, we think, more than a 1% chance, 
I don't know if I'm Tony Kanaan if I want to run in the Indy 500 after not being in a car for a year. Yes, I know he could do it, but that doesn't sound like a great idea <laughs> to have I, not gone 230 miles an hour for a year. At least let him get in it of felt what this car feels like. Uh, and remember, it's going to be a little bit different because it's heavier. It's the hybrid car. He needs to understand how that works. So that might be just kind of a side thing that we'll get excited about. And, uh, you know, I, I think that'd be cool. It'd be cool. That, and it allow everyone to continue to joke that Tony Kanaan will never retire if we see him strapped into an Indy car. But that would be just part of the plan and why he's so valuable to have as the sporting director with uh, Errol McLaren. Yeah, I don't I don't know that I would do it during the spring test. The open test is pretty limited and and Kyle's going to need all the time that he can get. I could see it. You know, there's surely going to be one of those days uh in the month of May where you know, Kyle's He'll got here. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's got another commitment. Uh it it would seem at least on the surface as we sit yep. and look at this in October that that would be an opportunity for Tony to do it. And I think you're right. I think, I think Tony would like to have at least done it once. Um, we'll get to the hybrid thing in a little bit. I'm, you know, I'm hearing some people suggest that, that um, these being competitors and, and so forth that, you know, maybe if, if they didn't have the full everything, you know, working like it, like it will on the hybrid system for may that maybe you, you don't do, you don't, debut it on the first oval race of the year that maybe it's there, but it's not fully implemented. So it may not be as big of an issue uh, as, as we will see on the road courses and street circuits. Could be. Uh, I think it's safe to say that this project has been challenging for the hybrid and there have been a lot of obstacles and, you know, the plan already changed from what they wanted to do. Uh, and I won't get into all the minutia of that, but you know they're not done. There's a reason they're testing pretty much two days a week, every week, because they have a lot of work to do, and we're just not there yet. So that's still a little bit of a, a TBD thing uh, for Larson. Back to this before we get to the other rookies. How do you think he enjoyed it? You know, he's kind of gone back and forth over the years. Five, six, seven years ago, it was and maybe I'm off on the years, it was, I can't wait to do this. And then it was, all right, I admit I'm a little bit spooked. I'm not sure that I want to do this. And now he's back to, okay, I want to do this. Is he excited? Does he sound all in? And what, if any, expectations does he have? Is this a bucket list or is it, no, I'm doing this because if not this year, then the next year, I want to give myself a chance to win this race. So there's a lot of of reading between the lines. Uh, I'm, you know, I admittedly I'm just going to say up front, you're just guessing. You're just trying to look at him the way he's responded to questions. And so as I answer that, keep in mind is you just you're just guessing here. And and I think my takeaway from from the time I was around him in the in the pit box and, you know, not really in the pit box, but I was down there and watched him and he's doing the right things. And and even in the press conference afterwards, he sounded excited to do it. I don't know that he, I think he was had enough perspective to know that I'm not ready for this yet. 
you know, I don't know that I felt that way with Alonzo. Alonzo had more of a confidence, you know, he's driven open wheel cars of, of, you know, of high speed and so forth. You know, one of the first things that, I, that I heard Kyle say was, yeah, when you're, it's hard to think about going 220 miles an hour. I don't know that I've ever gone 220 miles an hour. Maybe, you know, maybe in an ARC car going into Talladega, or I forget which which one of those examples he threw out that he's like, well, maybe I got to 220 there. Uh, but, you know, so I think he's he was very respectful of, of the challenge ahead. And, you know, he has not at least publicly kind of tipped his hand at what he really thinks is possible because I just don't think he knows. And and I think that's where Khan came in and said, you know, let's just let him let him enjoy it. Let's don't try to go fast. Let's don't try to, you know, keep track of this and that and what he feels and what he doesn't feel. Let's just let him enjoy it. And so I think if I'm really pressed, I think what he what my takeaway is he just it was just kind of a bucket list to do it and when he comes back and at least it gives him some things to think about before they come back and do it again or before he has a simulator test again he's only had one day in the sim and i'm not even sure it was considered a full day so before he gets his next opportunity whether that's simulated or real life he at least knows you know like he was talking about being on the front straightaway he thought well i thought the car goes straight well the car doesn't go straight it pulls to the left i'm fighting it all the way down the front straightaway to keep it from turning left uh, you know or drifting left so uh anyway I, that was my takeaway okay um yeah i i also think he's a little harder to read and and we we don't know him well enough to be able to read his mind maybe some of the people that have covered nascar and know him better, we'll get a, a real sense of that. Um, but I think that's the right approach. Let's just do one thing at a time, and if nothing else, it's an experience. Uh, I s- still maintain, when we go back to the Alonzo conversation and so forth, I think this is harder. What Kyle Larson and Kyle Bush, if he were to do it, uh, and Kurt Bush, it, I think it's harder coming and from Jimmy. Scott Carlin and, and Jimmy. Um, but ex- except... Not Jimmy so much because Jimmy had, by the time he did the Indy 500, sure. had driven an Indy car. That's the advantage that he had. And that's why we gave him a better chance to be competitive in that first year. But Alonzo is used to this type of car. Now, what Larson has is he's at least driven a, a prototype sports car. In fact, he won the Rolex 24 as a teammate with Tony Kanaan. Uh So it's not the same, but it's at least a little bit. It's a, it's a little bit you're, you're, dealt with a higher downforce car and he is immensely talented. And this is just, I'm, I'm so happy that he is willing to potentially not be great. You know, he's a guy that's great at everything and we get to see, we've all wanted to see what Kyle Busch or Kyle Larson, that these guys, does it transfer? We all miss the days of Mario and AJ and Tony Stewart doing everything and nobody does that much anymore. Kyle Larson seems to be the one that we think he can drive anything. Now let's find out. He's with a good team. He's got a proper testing program. I think this was critical to do it and get started in the fall. Not put a program together in March and show up in, in April. He needs to spend the winter time. Now he's been in the car. 
I think this will be huge for him. You can do all the simulator stuff you want, and the, and the proper simulators are really helpful. But now having been in the actual car, I think the simulator will mean more. Yeah. And then he can learn over the wintertime and come back ready to go in April. The thing is, I think he can drive it by himself. I think he can run faster than or as fast as will be necessary, just like Kurt Busch. And I think Kurt Busch is the more applicable um, comparison here. Kurt Busch made a mistake in, you know, pre pre Indy 500 day uh, in turn two was running in traffic and it just something he had never felt before got him. He learned from that and ran pretty well in the race. I mean, he did finish on the front straightaway with the winner. So he, what do you finish fifth or sixth? He, he figured it out, but it took a mistake that was pretty significant uh, for him to kind of make, take that next step. And I fear that that, that will probably I wouldn't be surprised if that bites Kyle at some point that, you know, he's used to doing things a certain way. Now he does them in all kinds of different race cars, but this is a different animal. And, you know, let's just hope it doesn't, it doesn't rear its head. I don't see any way he can win next year, even if the cars for Aaron McLaren are awesome. But what he can do is he, he could potentially lead if it's going great, lead a little bit and then he's going to have to learn because there is i think there was a time in the indy 500 where maybe someone with lesser experience could because you could run away you know and there there wasn't the back and forth kind of situation as much uh but i i think there is so much strategy and experience matters for the indy 500 so the plan is it's a two-year program yeah and if it goes well he'll come back and then I'm not going to say he he's likely to win it in year two, but then he's got a chance in year number two, which is why I wanted to, I was hoping Jimmy would come back for a second year that maybe he'd have a chance in year two. I agree with you. And, um, you know, I think back to Kurt Busch in 2014, it just feels like the racing over the last decade and the competition, I know it was fierce in 2014. Think about that 2013 race you know, the Canaan one and how fierce that was. And throughout the second half of the race, I just don't know. I think the competition is even better than it was in 2014. I just feel like it is. And you got to understand the dragon, if that's still allowed to happen next year, if you're allowed to go below the lines and I still think there needs to be a think about that. Um, Oh yeah. I'm, I'm very much anti-dragon. Yeah. I don't know that you can't outlaw it. You know, if you do it, if you make the first move, you can swerve around. But I, I think you could make something that says you have to stay within the lines. I think you have you to stay within the lines. You can't go down to the pit lane. So let's put that on our to-do list that we need to ask some people about this. Um, is this going to be allowed next year? All right. So there's the Carl, Kyle Larson portion of the program. Uh, we'll get to some of your Twitter questions later on at Kevin Lee 23 at Kurt Cabin. Other rookies were at the track last week. We saw some people make their debut, or at least one, right? Um, I'm going to get the list of who was there, but I know at least Marcus Erickson debuted with his new teams. We'll talk about that and much more. All coming up, Trackside, 93.5, The Fan. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20-milligram injection, You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Scott McLaughlin, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We thank you for being a part of the program tonight as we continue throughout the off season. Just a couple of weeks off in December, right around the holidays, and we'll chat mostly on Tuesdays, bouncing around a little bit in a full two hours. And of course, uh, the podcast is available through the usual outlets once we are done tonight. Okay, we've talked a lot of Kyle Larson. Let's talk about what else happened at the track last week. We saw three other rookies, and it's not that that Kyle was getting special treatment. I don't think, right? It wasn't that they wanted him to be out there by himself. It was just his schedule did not allow to be there on Wednesday, I would presume. That's correct. And so on Wednesday, and and some of the Wednesday element was based on availability on Thursday as well, because, for example... you know, Tom Blomquist needed to get to Petit Le Mans, uh, yeah. for example, and the Meyer Shank people needed to get to Petit Le Mans. So they really couldn't do it Thursday. So it was much as much about them as it was about Kyle Larson on Thursday. But uh, so scheduling was a factor for everybody. But on Wednesday, we saw Tom Blomquist drive uh, the number 60 of Meyer Shank Racing. Uh, and we saw Chip Ganassi Racing and its full contingent of 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 staff, including Chip Ganassi and Mike Hall and Dario Franchitti and and Scott Dixon. They were they were all there for uh, Linus Lundquist and and Marcus Armstrong. So we saw those three drivers pass their rookie program and they did it very, very efficiently, just like Larson did. Um, I, I was kind of thinking out loud yesterday. I wonder if, if we've ever seen you know, four drivers or this era maybe of of the rookie program go so smoothly. I mean, it's just yeah, click, 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 click. And, you know, they there basically was no interruption. They ran, you know, because they have to run like 10 laps uh, in a certain 205 to 210 mile per hour bracket. And then you got to run 15 consecutive in the next bracket, same in the third bracket. And, and it just seems like I'm sure it hasn't gotten easier, but it seems like it goes much smoother than it used to. Well, this is a really talented group of rookies and a unique group of rookies. You've got a cup champion. You've got a Rolex 24 champion. You've got one of the greatest short track drivers of all time, open wheel driver of all time, different open wheel, and Kyle Larson. You've got a sports car champion who was a junior Formula Ace in Europe, in Tom Blomquist, not 21 years old. You know, someone with a lot of experience. Yes, no oval experience to speak of, but Tom Blomquist is really experienced. Marcus Armstrong has a full year of IndyCar. No oval experience, but he is not new to the car. And Linus Lundquist is, I think a lot of us think he's like a Kyle Kirkwood type of talent. He is that special And that's that's how you get to not having a job 
Uh, and then the best team. We can say that at this point. You know, I know it's always Penske versus Ganassi, but the stats show that right now, Chip Ganassi Racing is clearly the best team over the long haul, and they choose this guy to drive their car. And then, by the way, there could be more rookies, like a Christian Rasmussen, who we think is pretty good. And if he's with Ed Carpenter Racing, he'll be fast in, in that car because they always are. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun next year with the rookie race. No, oh, I think so, too. And, and and I was just thinking out loud as you were talking about Lundquist. You know, we saw some pretty impressive performances from Armstrong. And Armstrong will have probably the advantage of being with the team a second year. But if you told me Lundquist has the, the more spectacular results, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, that's because he's that good. And and Armstrong well, he is he has more oval experience too than Marcus. He really he does. does. Yeah. Uh Armstrong's got some learning to do on the ovals. And it'll be interesting to watch those two. I think from a you know, usually what's interesting about this particular case is normally we've got rookies, and take this year as a good example. We had you know, when we started the year and we we talked about who would win rookie of the year, and you went with Armstrong and 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 that made sense. He been though he wasn't going to be in all the races, he he was in the better situation. But as you look at, and it's not a rookie of the year because, well, it will be at Indy, but when you look at these two young guys at Ganassi, they're going to go head-to-head with basically the same experience, except for Armstrong has got an extra year with the organization, but they're basically going to go head to head in their first full seasons together. And it'll be an interesting year. It won't be a rookie of the year battle, but it'll be a fun watch. And I don't know that I could wager a, a, a prediction on which driver would come out of that. I think, I think they're both going to have some, some good outings. I think it'll be a battle too. You yeah. always, it, it's not as fierce. It isn't formula one, but you want to beat your teammate. You you don't want to be, Driver number four on the team. I know it's a five-car program, but uh, let's face it, Kiffin Simpson is going to be in a different situation. That's the other rookie. I forgot about Kiffin Simpson, who still needs to do his oval test as well, and it's because he hasn't done Texas yet. Um, I did talk to Tom Blomquist, and I talked to Mike Shank about that, and you know, Tom said uh, it was a lot easier than Texas. So in some ways, that is beneficial that they go to Texas first because then you get to Indy, and that feels much more comfortable. And one of the reasons they went to Texas, because at the time they thought they'd be racing in Texas. So I think Mike was, you know, well, at least we thought we were getting something, you know, spending some money on something that would be applicable for next year. But it's still, I'm not going to say it, it doesn't ease them in to, that, this is a question. Is it beneficial to be at Texas, which is more daunting, I think, and the drivers think, than coming to Indy, or can they just come and do their test at Indy? That will be something to see whether IndyCar continues to require that. Currently, you know, would they would they allow an Iowa? Because let's face it, we're not all flush with cash, and they do try to do what they can to save the team some money. So why go test at a place that you're not going to race at? Fair point and questions to be asked for sure. I will say that it was interesting to some on pit road the other day that it, it Kyle Larson was not forced to go to Texas first. 
They just brought him to Indy. He's not run that oval. Uh, Tony Kanaan was pressed on what's ahead for Larson before he gets to the spring test of the open test at Indy. And he danced around that. And I think by, by basis of his reaction and what he said, I think we're going to see Larson take a test somewhere and maybe it will be Texas before they come to the open test in the spring. He should. They they really should get him some more seat time, uh, whether Texas is the place it won't be Indy. Uh, but if if Texas is is in play, could you go to another track? I suppose it's possible, but Texas would make the most sense. Yeah, there's just not a lot of with Fontana. Not going to be away, there. Yeah. Um. You know you you can't do Michigan uh, when with weather when you get to a certain point. So I guess you you know could you consider like Homestead or something like that maybe where it's it's warm weather on the oval there. And as I say what I said about Texas, you know, and saving money, I get it. The Indy 500 is different and you have to, this is big time auto racing and there is expensive involved and the Indy 500 is important enough that you're going to have to invest some. So if it is a natural progression and then also it's weather limited in Indianapolis very soon, if not already it's really iffy if you want to schedule a test in Indy and you can't do it again until April. So Texas is the next best thing. And who knows? They may go back to Texas in a few years. I don't know that I'd waste a whole lot of money preparing for that until we see if they're going to do anything to track. Because if they do, then you are going to have to go test at Texas again to, to one, help Firestone and just find out if it's all going to work or not. Uh, but Tom felt felt good. And Mike Shank said, yep, it went well. So all good. On that front, I saw on social media there was a tire failure, which we never see. And, you know, I think that probably alarmed a lot of people for Linus Lundquist. So I heard from a couple of different sources. They ran a lot of laps on that tire. So I, I don't think I would have major concerns about Firestone. And part of this is probably everyone is so comfortable about Firestone that you've you've really pushed the edge on that, but I I heard a lap number. I don't know if that's exactly right or not, but it was uh, more than you're going to see happen. Especially it's a greener track, you know, with not a lot of cars out there. So I wouldn't get too concerned about that. And uh, something can always be learned from that. Uh, uh, I would I would say that people would ask the question: If you had a tire failure at Indy, usually usually that means damaged equipment. It happened coming out of turn four. He was already past the point of leaning on the tire, if you will, or at least in a trouble spot. So he he was straight, I guess is the best way to say it. And yep. so therefore there was no there was no damage. And then a few hours later, um someone who who would know said to me, Yeah, they overran the tire. Uh yep. so that that would make a lot of sense. Who was there on Thursday and Friday testing the hybrid. So on Thursday in the morning and then in the afternoon, you had power from Team Penske. You had Alexander Rossi representing Aero McLaren. You had Colton Herta representing Andretti Global. And which team am I missing? Marcus was there for Andretti as well. No, uh, you had Alex Pillow on Thursday. And on Friday, the oh, change okay. was that Marcus Erickson stepped in for Alex Pillow and, or no, excuse me, excuse me, 
he stepped teams. in for for Colton Herta, and uh, the Arrow McLaren seat shifted from the newlywed uh, Alexander Rossi to the new guy, uh, David Malukas. And okay, so I, two guys made their debuts. Two guys. There were six car, six drivers in all. Yep. Was that the first time Malukas had been in the McLaren car? Yes, and the first time that Erickson had been in an Andretti car. In fact, it was really only about the third day that Erickson had even been available to meet with uh, Andretti people because his contract had with Ganassi had precluded him from talking or joining or being with anybody else until a certain point. He came back from a visit to Sweden. He was there about three weeks came back and and then uh, I think Tuesday was his first day in the office and and he uh drove the car on Friday so that's his first experience working with with Andretti and he worked with Olivier Bos Olivier Bosson who had been uh Grosjean's uh engineer the last 2 years. Yep, so that was a confirmation we got. I had heard that was going to be the case but did not know that officially so um, that is some news on that front. The engineer silly season is just as important. I still don't know where Craig Hampson is going to end up. Uh, as I said last week, wherever he does, if there is a seat available, that probably moves up to the top of the available seat list. Eric Cowden is also apparently a free agent as well, and he's been linked to, with Ed Carpenter Racing, according to, to reports, so... We will uh, all find out that front a little bit later on. Oh, the other thing with hybrid. So I tasked you with um, finding out how it works. What my understanding is, so you can add to this or correct it. So essentially for road and street courses, you regenerate the battery, or I guess it's not even a battery. It is a super capacitor, um, but through braking. That's the simplest way to do it, but there's not a lot of braking on ovals. So they're going to have a paddle that essentially drags the brake a little bit and there will be a strategy involved as to when you do that and you just have to do it enough to make sure that you continue to uh, generate some hybrid energy so it's going to take the car to be a little bit slower during that process as you talked about dragging the brake that's a sort of maybe the simple way of explaining it uh, but it will be slower and because it's slower you're going to want to do that when you're in the draft of somebody. So you're probably still being okay. pulled along. You're not going to do it. If you're, if you're too many car lengths back, you're not going to be doing it there. You're going to use it in the draft and then deploy with a button, the energy that's been harvested. And then th that will be your boost, but it's not going to be like throw you back in your seat kind of boost. Uh, it'll be, it'll probably be a net gain in terms of speed. What you lose harvesting versus what you gain dissipating the energy, and we'll just have to see. I don't think it's going to be something we're going to be able to watch it and say, "Boy, we've got this." You know, I used to call it hyperspace, <laughs> the hyperspace button. All of a sudden, he's shot out of a cannon, and but uh, you know, it will allow for people to get some runs when when the opponent is harvesting, and when you are dissipating energy or dispersing the energy, you'll have. Uh, a better chance of uh, overtaking. Okay, we'll get you set for what's to come in hour two in a moment. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. Hi. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, 
Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Mark Zerickson, and you're listening to Trackside on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Let's sneak in a couple of Twitter questions before the end of the hour. Paul uh, at PKDODIMead asks or says, Penske has the best oval racer. Am I cynical in thinking more oval races in 24, such as Milwaukee, has been sought by Penske because this is where his team's strength is? Uh, it's a nice coincidence. Certainly it is. Yeah, they, they have the best short oval package, but you know, a lot of people want to see more ovals in that. I'm not seeing any other oval as an option, so I, I think it's mostly a, a nice coincidence. It's not like they're shoving any road courses off the schedule or anything else. So, um, But it, it does work out quite well for Joseph Newgarden and for the captain's team, too, from that standpoint. Uh, what else do we have Via Twitter, from Stephen Kills Donkey pointed out the V8 Supercar Paddock probably appreciates the Charlotte Roval being on the 24 NASCAR schedule. It probably means Shane Van Gisbergen will race there rather than defend his Bathurst 1,000 win from the past weekend. So, yeah, that was part of the schedule that came out. And next year, I think Bathurst and that Roval race will be on the same one. Um, okay, we'll see if we can get the more Twitter questions coming up in hour number two before the end of the program tonight. We're also going to recap what happened in IMSA over the weekend from an IndyCar flavor and tell you how those drivers did and celebrate a championship for Robert Wickens plus some silly season stuff in IndyCar and more coming up. Trackside 93.5107.5 The Fan. Hi. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. This is Reince VK, and you're listening to Trekside. Hour number two. Thank you for staying with us. Kevin Lee, Kurt Cavan, Eddie Garrison in Indianapolis. As we roll through the offseason with still much going on, we'll get to silly season, what we think we know, what we don't know, what we might know, what we hope to know coming up in a matter of moments. Um, we had a lot of IndyCar drivers participating this past weekend at the last IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship race of the season, the 10-hour race, Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta, and a lot of IndyCar um, success. And, and what we're going to start with is not the WeatherTech race, because I, I felt like 
one of the more notable moments of the weekend was what happened on Friday in the Michelin Pilot Challenge, which is essentially their number two series. And Robert Wickens wins a championship. How cool is that? It really is. It's um, you know, it's it's just it's just good for him. It's just good for him. You know, we've we know the challenges, or we believe we understand the challenges, but it goes so much beyond what we even know. And you know, you you talk about you want good things to happen to good people. Robert's as good as it gets. He really is. So good for him. I was really happy to be able to be involved with that race, calling that race on Peacock. So the um, archive is up there if someone wants to watch it. And sometimes that's fun to do in the off season. Go back and watch things that you didn't have time to do on a busy weekend and just throw things on in the background. But so the scenario was this. They were um, the other car that they were competing with almost winner-take-all situation, started up front, and the Audi had a mechanical right at the start, uh, lost the gearbox. So that made it a little bit anticlimactic, but it still wasn't done yet because the other Herta car still had a scenario where if they won the race, I think Wickens still had to finish top eight with Harry Gottsacker, his teammate, and they were running sixth. Much of the time. So it wasn't going to take much for that to change. And they ultimately were up to fourth when the race finished under a caution. So won it somewhat comfortably. The other Herta car won the race. Now, here's the other thing that I'm going to guess. And by the way, super cool for, for Robert. And you alluded to this, too. So I I don't ask Robert these things because I know he's not an excuse maker. So I asked some other people. I said, I presume what he's doing is a lot harder than anybody else driving this car. Uh, yes, very much so. And we still have not got the technology with his wheel and braking system and everything else developed the way we would like to do it. So the fact that he's able to finish and he's finishing races at this point to run up front and battle. And by the way, their car is not the fastest this year. In sports car racing, they call it balance of performance. And it it's odd because the you know, you you're always trying to be better and you're trying to be faster. But when you do that, they do something to make it more difficult for you, not after the season, but before the very next race. So you've got to kind of manage that a little bit. And when you've won the championship, they tend to make it even harder on you. So for them to win five straight championships is remarkable. And that one shows the quality of talent they have and with the team. But they're just not as fast. So for that, that's why he didn't win a race this year, because their car does not have the straight line speed that the Audi and a couple of others do. So that's remarkable. Um, I saw some quotes from Robert about what the plans were. I think he was being a little bit vague, but I, I checked in with Brian Herta and Sean Jones, and they said he will be back in that series next year, but they are trying to do some different things. So I think it's still a possibility. I think the Rolex 24 is going to be tough because what I was told is the next thing is they need to develop a better technology for a steering wheel that could be applicable to the WeatherTech Championship and a GT3 car, which is a higher level car than the touring car that he's in. And that technology, I think I think it's Bosch that is working on this, can apply to IndyCar and helping him do the Indy 500. I did not ask specifically 
this time. I asked Robbie maybe a month ago about that, about where things stand on his effort to run the Indy 500. And it's it's unfortunately not very close at this point because it just takes money. It takes money, one, to run the program. And there are some other factors involved, like developing the technology for the steering wheel. So I didn't ask them if we are past the point for next year, but my guess is we are. I don't see it happening for the Indy 500 unless there's something I'm not being told about. But what was spoken about was we are really working hard to try to get him in the WeatherTech championship and he could continue uh, for now racing in the series that he's in. But this is what Sean said. And if if people don't know Sean, he is he's been in motorsport forever. He's actually the stepfather to George Steinbrenner, the fourth. So that's kind of the link how George got in this series. And he's business partners with Brian Herta on, on several things. And he said, this guy's too good. You know, we'd love to keep him on our team in Michelin pilot challenge, but he's too good for this. He deserves to be racing at a higher level. And that's what the effort has been. And Sean and Brian have uh, an immense amount to do. It was their idea to bring Robbie back in and offer him the opportunity. So just a great story there. Now, I know the next group that most of you probably don't know much about. You may not be paying much attention to the other class in Michelin Pilot Challenge, but I found it rather unique, and I doubt you saw this. Did you see any of that race, Kurt? Did not, but I will watch it now that you've posed it to me. So, well, maybe I shouldn't spoil this. That's all right. Spoil it. I'm going to. So in the top class, these are GT4 cars, really tight for the championship there as well. And the Rebel Rock Camaro looked like they were going to be able to win the championship. The Turner BMW, Robbie Foley is one of those drivers that some people might have heard of, uh, had a real good chance, but they got caught out by an untimely caution. And all of a sudden they're 16th and it looked like they were in control of the championship and Robin Liddell is running sixth and is going to win the championship because Foley is still 14th. He needed to finish 11th to win the championship. But we knew there were a couple of cars that were going to be penalized that they just hadn't been able to serve the drive throughs yet. So, okay, he's moved up to 12th, and then it's a tie on, like, the third tiebreaker. They were tied in wins, tied in second place. It goes to third. Race ends. We think that's where it is. I think I call it as, and we believe Rebel Rock wins the championship. And then we go back to replay 30 seconds later, and the car running ninth or 10th, and the race finished under caution, pulled into the pit lane instead of taking the checkered flag. Why would that happen? Calvin Fish immediately remembered that the presumed championship team had had an on-track nasty run-in with very hurt feelings with that car that pulled into the pit lane um, a couple of months ago, racing for a win, and some words were said, and this was their retribution. Wow. So this team pulled into the pit lane to give up you know, a, a non-important ninth place or eighth place finish so that the Turner BMW picked up one more spot, which would be enough to win the championship by 10 points. It took 30 minutes to adjudicate everything. And obviously the Camaro team is trying to look into the rule book. And, you know, they're looking, you know, because in NASCAR, you're not allowed to do that. You're manipulating the rules and they could 
conceivably, you know, you could lie and just say the car broke, but I don't think they were even trying to fib it. And then our cameras caught the, the lead driver, Robin Liddell, walking back to the paddock 20, 25 minutes after the race. And luckily, we're not on filling time the whole time. This is a Peacock show. And then we cut it down for a USA show that'll air in a couple of weeks. So we're just laying out. Peacock is watching the pictures. No commentary. And we see Robin walking back by and someone with a team hat and shirt on from the team that pulled into the pit lane walks by Robin Liddell, stops and gives him the willpower salute. <laughs> the one finger salute. And he's wearing jeans. And, and honestly, we didn't know who it was. Well, then we do a little searching. That was the co-driver who's a, a vascular surgeon, but he's a 53-year-old you know, gentleman driver, and the other guy is, is the pro driver. And then it's becoming very apparent, we're not going to let you win. And credit to Robin Liddell for not hitting the guy. <laughs> he went up and yelled at him for a little bit and then just uh, went on about his way. So that was the Michelin Pilot Challenge race. So we had all kinds of fun on Friday. Well, now to the weather tech. Race. Why can't that be the IndyCar series? That would have been a good one. Well, we have willpower. Do we such have things willpower? Yeah. Yeah, 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 we do have. No, I don't know that you you want your championship. No, you decided don't. You that don't. Way. And uh, I know the Rebel Rock team is filing a protest, so I don't know how it can be overturned. But uh, there might be something about some sporting regulations that that could be a factor there. Weather tech was cool because you know this is a ten hour race. Four teams. And manufacturers, different manufacturers had a chance, three of them, IndyCar connections. So the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan, BMW, the Penske program, Porsche, uh, Andretti is now with Wayne Taylor Racing, and then the Action Express Cadillac as well. The Penske Porsche got collected early. They had no chance. The BMW and the Action Express car hit each other on pit lane, uh, and they served penalties for that and for running a red light. So the seven Penske, which Joseph Newgarden was debuting in, they found themselves in the lead. They were a long shot. They were leading points as they run. I think when Joseph got in the car for the first time. So how about that? You get in the car in the middle of the race. He was either first or second at the time. And that's difficult. That's difficult. And uh, Joseph did fine. Uh, he gave up a couple of spots or whatever. But best I could tell, he did fine. It's so difficult to see who's quick in that race because it's just nonstop traffic. It's 52 cars, less than two and a half miles. And I'm going to say about two and a quarter of those miles, you can't pass. You know, you've got to, even the fast cars, you've got to find the right opportunity to pass. So we get down to an hour left. And like we seem to see there every year, somebody tries to pass Pipo Durrani on the outside in turn one. And that does not go well for the person trying to pass Pipo Durrani on the outside. Note to young drivers, don't try to pass on the outside at night in turn one at Rodeland or generally anywhere else. You are at the mercy of that driver being sporting to you. And, you know, I know people looked into the rule book and it says you must leave the full length of the car, uh, but that generally doesn't get called. So they kind of let you drift out. Albuquerque goes straight into the wall, championship over them. It's the fourth straight year. I think that Wayne Taylor has ended the race in heartbreak. And so the 31 wins the championship, Alexander Sims, Jack Aitken, and then the race. And here's another, you know, the connection to IndyCar. So we've detailed the Mike Shanks situation. So they were out of the championship because they were penalized 200 points for manipulating tire pressure data. 
Uh, and that's a thing at Daytona because it's cold and you know, they want you to have minimum tire temperatures. And there's still more to the story than I think we all know. But anyway, they lost 200 points. They would have been way up in the championship instead. They're not that I'm feel fairly certain has something to do with them not having a program next year. They lose the Acura program. So I asked Mike before the race, you know, there was another Acura, Wayne Taylor, Andretti, that was very much in the championship. And normally one Acura would be trying to help another Acura win the championship. So how are you playing this? Uh, knowing that he's going to have a good answer. And he said, well, we do still want Acura to win the manufacturer's championship. It could just be by us scoring points. And we want to win the race. Those are our only two goals. We care about nothing else. Meaning, uh, bleep you, <laughs> we don't care. In fact, we'd probably prefer, prefer that you don't win. And the general consensus, the uh, scuttlebutt, is that it was the Wayne Taylor team that turned in the Shank team <laughs> and is the reason why they got penalized. Uh, so I think that's out there. So they win the race because, you know, Elio Castroneves wins big races. And that might be Elio's last sports car race. I doubt it. But the team that he is a partner with does not have a sports car program for next year. So very cool for Tom Blomquist to maybe win his last sports car race. And Colin Brown, who I think has a good ride next year. I'm happy to hear that. I, I did not get a chance to talk to Colin, so I don't know what it is. But I've heard people say he's going to be fine next year, as you would expect him to be. Uh, so they go out winners. I'm hearing good things about Shank having a sports car program for 25. Mike said there's a lot of things going on, but yeah, I feel pretty good, and I'm not going to just take anything. I want it to be a good, proper, professional program. So I don't think they're done yet, but I think that looks good after sitting a year out. And that's important because sports car racing is in their roots. Uh, the Ganassi Cadillac with Dixon and Bourdais, they were super fast. And Renger Van de Zandeva, they finished second, racing it under caution. Other connections, Nolan Siegel, Indy Next Driver, won in LMP2 with former IndyCar driver Ben Hanley and CrowdStrike CEO George Kurtz, who has become a really good amateur driver. Is just driving everything. Just really super nice guy. Uh, Christian Rasmussen was either first or second late in the race, and I, I didn't see what happened. I wasn't on the broadcast at the end, but I saw him into the tires, uh, so that went away for him. Josh Pearson finished second in that class. And in P3, all guys who came up through open wheel, uh, formula, IndyCar stuff, Dakota Dickerson, who was my son Jackson's first Skip Barber coach, won. Bajoy Garg, who's been running in USF 2000 and USF Pro 2000, won. And Garrett Grist, who I think did some Indy Lights races and had some success below that. So good for them. Vassar Sullivan won the GTD title. And I asked them about what's going on with the Indy 500. And uh, James Sullivan said, we have not pursued that now because we wanted our, our number one priority is the Lexus program. So he said, I will go to work on that Monday, which was yesterday. And it sounds like there's a chance. There is still a chance that they could be a commercial partner with an existing entry. I think it's safe to say it's probably going to be on the Chevy side. They are very much a Toyota brand. So I don't think they're going to be partnering with Honda at this point. So you can look into the Chevy teams and I didn't ask them about teams, but pretty easy to deduce. You know, I don't think it's going to be Penske. I don't think it's going to be Aero McLaren. Uh, so you're left with Dreyer and Reinbold. You're left with Ed Carpenter and you're left with Foyt. I know Foyt is partnered with Penske, but that's not a commercial relationship. 
So I would guess that could still be in play. So we will stand by to see if something like that you will didn't mention in the near future. You did not mention Hunkos, which would be another another well, I, Chevy program. Have, but but they have a uh, commercial partnership with McLaren. So yeah, so I'll mention that that that's why I would not assume that's the case. And remember, McLaren needs more space for stickers. So that's right. They're not they're not giving up any of their sticker space. And Vassar Sullivan has a lot of partners. Uh, through the sports car program that have been in IndyCar before, like Sealmaster and others. Uh, so I, I would imagine if they find a deal that they like, because you got to find a team that has basically enough shelf space for you uh, on their car. So uh, we will look into that. I may see, we'll see if we have time to get into the Indy 500 a little bit later, but maybe first we just do what's latest. And I have not updated the Twitter machine in the last hour or two. Uh, because Hunkos Hollinger was supposed to have a 10 a.m. announcement today. And, you know, my first thought was when I saw the tweet come out a few days ago, because I remember they did that to us last year. They teased an announcement, and it was for an Indy Next driver. But they tagged IndyCar in this one. So I am going to presume that this was for one of their two IndyCar seats. But alas, it's past 10 a.m., and I think they put something out this morning that they had a technical problem did they lose the twitter password so yeah. no announcement <laughs> yeah i probably know more than i can speak to on this one uh so i will let you deduce what might or might not have happened and what they might or might not have intended to announce uh, i will tell you circling back to sports car for just a minute the other day on pit road i did ask elio given meyer shank's situation would you entertain or are you pursuing uh, a sports car ride for 2024. Uh, I guess I phrased it. Would you entertain? I didn't ask, mm -hmm. are you pursuing? And he said, absolutely. Uh, he would, he's open to anything, uh, especially the endurance races. So I think he'll find a spot for the Rolex. I, I guess I'd be surprised given his, how well he's done there. I don't know. I don't know the, the seats and how they come together. And I don't know the landscape like you do. So maybe there's reasons why not, but he said he's open. It's to harder. It. It's harder than it used to be, and there, there's so much competition for those seats. And, you know, unfortunately, my guess is you can probably rule out the other Acura program. Yeah. Um, because there's bad blood there, and he is now a co-owner with Mike Shank. So That's I right. don't think that would be an option. Um, not a lot of seats available. I give it a chance. And especially if it's a program that has a commercial interest, then I would think you'd want to have Elio with you. Uh, but I totally agree that, you know, Shank would not stand in the way of him being involved. So I hope that's the case because he's good for the sport. And there are some teams, you know, like the, the privateer teams. Maybe he could run with the uh, Porsche Proton team or the JDC Miller Porsche program. There are a couple of big names that I'm hearing uh, from the Formula One world that we might see at the Rolex 24 next year. So there's some fun things going. We saw Jensen Button race this weekend, and I think we might. I think he's got an option whether he's going to do WEC, and he could do both. He could do WEC, and he could do the Rolex 24. But he might do IMSA full time next season uh, as well. Uh, what else? Oh, we were talking about where things stand for IndyCar uh, with the silly season. Oh, the Hunkos Hollinger, I don't know what it will be. I, I haven't, I mean, I, I guess 
I, I told you a couple of weeks ago that two different people have told me to keep an eye on Grosjean there, but no one told me that that he's going to be there, but it's just one that is a possibility. In some ways, that surprised me a little bit, but it depends on what McLaren wants from a commercial standpoint. They have commercial partners, and this sponsor may have simply said, hey, I want somebody that's going to get attention for my car, and the guy that is going to get us the most attention, and by the way, is pretty good, uh, is Romain Grosjean. So that's where that makes sense. You know, If it's from a development standpoint, then you'd like to go get Christian Rasmussen if he's available or some other young driver to go along with Callum Eilat. It could just simply be confirmation of Callum Eilat. That's a little fuzzy because I think he's under contract, but I think there's been enough uncertainty publicly about that. They need to announce Callum Eilat, whether it's now or in December, but we in, until we see something official that Callum Eilat is returning to the team, that question is going to remain. I expect that to happen now. I If they did not partner with Errol McLaren, I would have given that 50-50 of continuing. But now that McLaren is involved, I would guess that Callum is staying. Second driver is also in play. So what this could be, we will find out. You know, we've not had Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan announce the driver of their third car. So that's one we kind of stopped talking about. I still think it's Yuri Vips. I didn't see him, but I was told he was at Road Atlanta this weekend and uh, with the Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan team. So I think that's still going to happen. I've heard nothing but great things. I've I've seen and had nothing but great interactions with him. He was quick. So I expect that's going to be the case. Who knows where Dale Coin Racing is going? It could be, you know, the names that we know. I think you're you're going to see somebody come in that has been very successful in F2 and has decided this ain't going anywhere. I want to do what Ilot and Armstrong and Vips and Alexander Rossi and all these others have done. Surely someone is going to pick up one of those drivers. I I just have to think. I keep coming back to Devlin D. Francesco, and does he end up there? Just a at thought. Coin. At coin, he could. I would also keep an eye on Foyt in general. Just in general, um, I think it's possible that some of the things that we thought were happening are not definitely happening. We need to get some confirmation of what's That's going true. on. That's true. There. And at Carpenter Racing, I think they have a difficult decision, and it may not just be with the two drivers that they they tested together. But let's just speak to them, and certainly someone else could come in. Um, I don't know if that seat requires any budget. The two drivers they're testing, I don't think, have enough budget to make a huge difference. Now, one has about $750,000, so that's Rasmussen. better than nothing. Uh, from the scholarship from Indy Next, that's Christian Rasmussen. Maybe Oliver Askew has some commercial backers, but it's certainly not much more than that, if that. So what I think their choice would be is, so it sounds like Rasmussen, well, he told us this, and the the other reports were the same, that he was quicker than Oliver Askew. But Askew consistently was really strong as well. They could use some development. With that team. That's what Ryan Hunter Ray was brought in there to be. I think Oliver Askew gives you a better chance of developing the car with his experience. Christian Rasmussen has more upside, and he might just be simply faster on one lap pace. 
he's really, really good. And maybe he is great at developing the car. I do not know enough about that. I know enough. He was on the same team as my son and they were, they were good. He was a level ahead. So he, they weren't driving the same car. Um, and that's a different level. I think it's Indy next and Indy car when the driver really has to start developing the car. So maybe he takes to that. But do they think about what helps Renus VK the most? So while it might seem it's an easy decision for Christian Rasmussen and the scholarship and someone that's won a championship at every single level, that's probably why we don't have an announcement yet. And also because I don't know that there's any other immediate options for those drivers. So it's not like you have to get them signed immediately. So maybe if you're Ed Carpenter... You're also waiting to see if the F2 champion or the runner-up or one of these guys that's really fast and might bring you an extra 2 or $3 million says, you know what, that's where I want to be. Um, so I think those are the empty seats still remaining. So one will tidy up. Oh, uh, and, and potentially an Andretti fourth, waiting to see if they're going to run that or they're not going to run that. That's the other possibility. So the Andretti fourth will not be Louis Foster. Uh, he announced he was confirmed to return to Indy next uh, with Andretti uh, in 2024. Not that I think either one of us thought Foster was destined for that seat if it becomes available, but this this clarifies it. So we'll get to that because they're on track and there was an interesting report today about Indy next that some might find interesting involving the Andretti team. And then we'll get into some other nuggets and uh, also some of your tweets, too, coming up. Trackside, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Hi, this is Al. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Alexander Rossi, and you're listening to Trackside. We've got activity at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway again coming up this weekend. Friday, it's Indy Next by Firestone. And I have a schedule now. I believe they're going to be on the track from 1030 until... No, I don't have a schedule. I have when it's open to the media on Friday. But they're testing on on Friday uh, at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And last I saw, weather looks pretty good, doesn't it? Eh, I don't know. Thursday looked a little dicey uh, with like 30 or 40% precipitation. I think it'll be a little warmer than it has been the last couple of days, but we're on a road course, so that shouldn't be significant. Uh, But um, yeah. So AccuWeather says 70% chance of rain on Thursday, high of 67, low of 48, Friday. 55% 55% chance of rain, high of 62, low of 40. So that means it it could not. I don't know if that's Friday night. It's probably more likely Friday night. So it should be warm enough 
in the upper 40s on Friday morning if it's dry. And you always kind of look a day ahead and a day behind. Saturday, 65% chance of rain, high of 53, low of 39. So Saturday and Sunday are the three levels of Anderson promotions. The cars formerly known as the road to IndyCar. So it's USF Juniors, the first step, USF 2000 and USF Pro 2000, all on track Saturday and Sunday, and it is going to be frigid in the morning, and they normally start. I remember last year, the year before, Jackson rolled out of the pit lane, and it was dark. (laughs) It was still dark (laughs) as he rolled out of the Formula One garages uh, going out at at 8 o'clock, and the low on Sunday is 35 degrees, high of 51 so, yeah, it's a little bit iffy. Sunday is a little more dry. Um, but, yeah, a little chance of rain each day on that front. But but Friday is for Indy Next, the step below IndyCar. And, and we don't have an entry list yet. Uh, I checked, and I'm told that's going to come out on Thursday. But we do have some information on who's going to be out there. So you mentioned Louis Foster is now confirmed. So three Andretti Global drivers are confirmed and Foster certainly is one of the championship favorites. Uh James Rowe is returning and Bryce Aaron was announced a couple of weeks ago. Bryce uh I'm quite familiar with. He's he's friends of my son Jackson. They he was the Team USA scholarship winner with Jackson. So they lived together in the UK for a year. He's been gone and living in England since 2019. He went over there and raced Formula Ford uh full-time actually starting in 20 and did pretty well in British F3, did well this year in what's called Euro Formula, which I think is kind yes. of on pace with USF Pro 2000. I think that's a series that Louis Foster was in. It was. Um, it was. But he won two or three times there. Bryce, a really nice young man. He's from Illinois, and they've been at, at races all this year, so they've been kind of working on this. So that's a, a good get for them to get with Andretti. And then there's the what the fourth car might be. I know there's been hope from all sides, that it would be Jamie Chadwick. I don't know DHL leaving. That was on her car, if that impacts things. So here was a story today from uh, Jeroen Demondal, and I apologize because I probably butchered your name, Jeroen, but he's, I, I think, listens to the show on occasion. Feeder Series is a really good junior formula site that has a lot of information. And he wrote that there is the possibility, neither side would confirm or deny this, but that Andretti has obviously a lot of interest in their program. And Rob Edwards told me a month or so ago that we don't want to run more than four cars. But Jerome wrote that they have interest from the likes of Salvador de Alba, who has won in Pro 2000. He is managed by Michelle Jourdain. And I think he tested with Andretti a couple of years ago. There is a connection. I think on, he did. On that. I think he did. Yeah, there is a connection on that front. Uh, Formula Regional Americas Championship leader Callum Hedge also is a possibility. And then Jamie Chadwick. So if they all have budgets and you think highly of them, what do you do? Maybe you do what any car teams are doing and you partner with someone a little bit. And it was mentioned that Cape Motorsports could be an option, and I think that could be great for both sides because that's still a new program. They stepped up from USF 2000, 
and had rookie drivers this year. And as we knew, it was going to be difficult. So to have the opportunity to get a little bit of help from Andretti, and you know, I think that entices people to go to the Cape program if you're still in the Andretti tent to some extent as well. So maybe that's somewhere for one of these drivers, whether it be Chadwick or the other two's uh, two drivers to go to. So that would seem to be a win-win if indeed that happens. Maybe we find out as soon as Friday where that is on that front. Uh, the HMD side has c- confirmed a lot of their drivers. You know, Miles Rowe will be one of those testing this week, so that'll be his first time in an Indy Next car. I would guess Christian Bogle and Reese Gold. Uh, I saw Nolan Siegel. He said he'd be there. I don't know if I've seen a firm announcement on Josh Pearson, um, but I think he's back with HMD. And, and Josh told me this week, and he would be here uh, this week as well. I don't know that I've seen it listed about Jacob Abel, but I feel pretty confident that he's got a seat with Abel Motorsports. So you'll see Jacob, I think, this week, and they might run three or four cars. I don't know how many they're running this week, but that's something to look into. We will have a new team debuting in Indy Next. I checked with them. They said it's okay to say it. Uh, Jack William Miller will be running the family car, moving up from USF Pro 2000. So Miller Vinatieri. Motorsports will be moving up to Indy next. And Jack, who is he tested an Able car last year, but they'll be running their car. It's been being prepped by Able, and they will be on track coming up this Friday as well. I don't think, uh, from when I talked to Jagger Jones this weekend, he is not going to be at the test. You never know. I told Jagger, hey, just have your helmet ready because sometimes better deals come available if someone doesn't show up for a seat. But as of now, he is not testing this week, but they're still working on a program. Jagger drove an LMP3 car in one of the support series and was awesome this week. Won the pole for his first sports car race. I guess you'd consider that his first sports car race. He did a lot of um, stock car type races and then got caught up in something in the first race and then was dominating race two when the car broke with two laps to go. He was up by 13 seconds or so. So Jagger came and showed what he could do in a sports car. So we'll hope that he can find something in the near future back uh, in Indy Next, continue down that path. Uh, oh, before I get to tweets, I want to mention this. Because someone wrote a story about David Malukas recently, uh, about how he's relocating and, and his future. Who wrote that story? Was you. I, can't, I can't tell you, but yeah, it might have so been You me. could probably, somewhere, I, I remember reading that, and there were a couple of good nuggets in that story. Well, I'm not sure what nuggets you're speaking of, but he did say that he was going to be moving out of Chicago for the first time in his, his well, I think life. That's a nugget. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. And uh he was still working through many of the details and and actually had a lot of questions about, you know, living in Indy and, and what should he do and so forth. I think I didn't ask him where he'll end up, but uh most of most of uh, the drivers have kind of ended up in a certain little pocket of the city or in the metro part of the city. Uh, mostly north of 465, but south of 146th Street. So if that gives you a, a general area, that would be Carmel. And um, well, they've given them a nutrition program, so yep. it's you know it's it's time to grow up. It really is. Is what it is, and I think this is going to be good for David. Yeah, he didn't. Not, not not that he was immature and needed to grow up. I'm I'm not around him enough. I don't know, but just logic would say when you've come up with the family team, and you know you're. He's a kid. Um, but now you're racing with the big boys. 
and things are going to be done a certain way here and you just have more resources and you see what the other drivers are doing and you realize, oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, maybe that helps a little bit. That's going to be great for David. Yeah, I, th- I think it will be, too. And it's, you know, Aero McLaren, it's, it's big boy racing. And, um, you know, that program and what they've, they've brought to the IndyCar paddock. And I'm not saying that David looked different when I saw him, you know, on Friday. But it certainly there was there was a different it was a little different, David, to some de- to some degree. He continues to say that in all the work with Errol McLaren, that he and Pato are the kids and Rossi is the dad. And so yeah. Rossi, uh, I don't know if you saw the video they did asking him about dance lessons and what he would dance to at his wedding. And uh, it was classic Rossi. Just no, not doing that. Nope, not doing that. So, but anyway, he did good take stuff. dance lessons. I know he took them, but I'm saying he they were asking him, you know, like songs he would dance to. And he was like, no, not that one. No, nope, sure. Wouldn't. So good stuff. Well, we'll look for a full report of the wedding. It's, I have not talked to Hinch since. Kanan uh, was there. So maybe we could get back. some. Kanan is is more uh, giving of the information. I think he will spill the beans. <laughs> well, I've got other sources I can go to as well that will definitely spill the beans. One will not be Alexander Rossi, and I don't think one will be James Hinchcliffe either, but we've got some other people. Uh, not that we care. We won't spill the beans on that either. Congratulations to Kelly and Alexander. Looked like it was great. I was sad that nobody could come to uh, to watch Wickens win his championship. You know, all of his buddies were in, in New York. So, you know, I, I texted Hinch and I said, hey, you know, I assume some of you are watching. So, you know, send us a picture of you watching on the phone. And he was. So we, we got that on the broadcast over the weekend um, when they were in New York getting ready. Uh, so they have survived Columbia and a wedding. So it's it's been a good couple of weeks for the boys. And we'll get more on that on their podcast later this week. Twitter questions. Some are left over from previous weeks. Stephen Pankow says, I have two thoughts. Uh, one trucks of the Milwaukee mile the weekend before IndyCar. Why wouldn't we just expect that the goal of promotion of these events would not be to cannibalize the promoters overlap Two Menards is a great fit to be the title, uh, for the Milwaukee weekend. I think we may have touched on that, uh, last week as well. All right. I think I've gone over time in this segment. So we'll see what we've missed and what we have time for also coming up next on Trackside. Hi, this is Joseph New. Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Garden, and you're listening to Trackside. Okay, final segment, what we missed, some other stuff. Uh, Marco Andretti's going to be in a race car, or I guess a race truck this weekend. He's doing uh, the truck series in NASCAR at Homestead this weekend in the Spire Gainbridge-sponsored car or truck. Uh, Coda is this weekend for Formula One, so you've got some more action in America with Formula One. 
and then back to our Kyle Larson conversation when I was bringing up, you know, if Tony Kanaan, we kind of went on a tangent, but if he is to be a relief driver, you know, just kind of thinking, well, would that, is he allowed to do that if it's the first time in the car? My friend Don pointed out, yeah, wouldn't he need to go through a proper refresher course? Everyone else does. So that would seem to make sense. And for the love of Indy, tweeted in, uh, keep the rule book in mind when it comes to Larson's Indianapolis attempt. Here is what rule 4.3.3 says about driver changes. For oval events, another approved driver who has already participated in practice or a special session for the current event. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that he could just come off the couch and get in the car. So, And it would also make sense, like Kurt mentioned, at some point Larson is probably going to need to miss some time to do his day job. So that would be a perfect time to get Kanan in the car, and they could do a simple session in the morning to go through refresher at 10:30 in the morning. So they'll figure it out. It's stuff for us to talk about and have fun with, uh, as we move forward. Okay. Uh, I think we're out of time for tonight. We'll save some of the, the other Twitter questions for next week, Tuesday night from seven until nine, send something in later. If you listen to us on the podcast and we can revisit it. Thanks to Kurt. Thanks to Eddie Garrison back in the studio. If you're listening live, we are joining Game 2 of the National League Championship Series. Phillies and Diamondbacks coming up next, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.